This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Let's take a moment to thank our sponsor, Liquid Death, the water that will brutally murder your thirst. We have a great guest for you today in an analytics episode, and this is some really interesting stuff. We have Timo Riska from PFF uh, joining us to talk about the possible outcomes when a quarterback drops back. I don't think we always think about all the outcomes. We think pass or, or you know, maybe an incomplete, usually some. Well, there's really more than that, and, and I want Timo to explain it. But uh, Timo, first of all, how are you doing today? Hi, yeah. Thanks for having me. Um, always happy to talk about football. Uh, I'm feeling good. All right. Outstanding. And you're, uh, I, I, I'll let you handle your own Twitter handle. Yeah, so uh, many people might already know me. Um, others might not. So I'm, I'm PFF underscore Mo at, um, on Twitter. So M double O. <laughs> Some people are, uh, pronounce it PFF underscore Mo. So as you wish. Okay, so if we're we're Americans and we want to remember it, it, it looks like the, the sound a cow makes. And uh, <laughs> right. that's not the way Timo intended it originally, but that's okay. But let's get on to this topic because this is great and it really, you know, dovetails with the analysis of Lamar Jackson very well. But I want to bring up your first graph here and uh, tell us about it. Yeah, so ba- basically what we're looking at here, we are not necessarily looking at the final result of a, of a pass play. So how many yards did it gain um, uh, or did it gain a first down or, or stuff like this. So we are basically looking at the initial 
quarterback decision or initial quarterback outcome. So basically, like a quarterback drops back to pass, and obviously the the goal of a pass play is usually to 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 pass. So basically, to throw it to a receiver, obviously. And um, yeah, this um, this is basically represented by the queen by the queen part of of this graph here. And as we can see here, this is basically league average, the NFL logo. So this happens like eighty two percent of the time. So eighty two percent of the time, when a quarterback drops back to pass. He also just targets the receiver in the sense that it's a yeah he actually targets the receiver he has an intended target tries to complete it to him and then it yeah it it works or not <laughs> but um, yeah that's basically the the most um, yeah the most basic outcome of, of a dropback but of course um, other other stuff can also happen so basically the the other outcomes are scrambles. Which of course, with with um, yeah, with more mobile quarterbacks entering the NFL in, in in the last ten or fifteen years, this is of course happening more often. Um, then then of course there are throwaways, which the NFL charts as incompletions. So if you just look at the at the usual box score, like there there, there are no there's no difference being made between throwaways and targets. But of of course it's it's not the same. Like throwaways never intended. Yeah, we're never intended to be completions. It's just the quarterback um, trying not to get sacked. I, th I think there are various degrees of white to gray to black in terms of what a throwaway is. You know, obviously, if you throw it into the fifth row of the stands, it's usually a throwaway. But yeah. how does PFF define it? How do you guys chart it? Um, I mean, I mean, um, I'm actually not hundred percent sure. Um, um, but I mean, obviously. The, the the obvious example of a throwaway is when it's when it's thrown out of bounds. Um, of course, there's yeah, there, there's also there, there's all, um, like when it's when it's close, there's already yeah, there's already uh, always some kind of subjectivity involved. Like when when it lands, I don't know, two yards out of bounds, did he actually target the receiver or um, or yeah, well, was he just inaccurate or was he throwing it away? Or, or when he like when a quarterback throws it. Um, um across the end zone so is, did he just miss it high or, or was he actually throwing it away that's of course something that's not always completely objective but um yeah i guess, I guess the our, our game charters try to um yeah try to be as consistent as possible um, okay i think yeah i think most most throwaways in the nfl are fairly fairly um obvious where when they happen i think okay I, I, with my background in charting, I would agree that, that, you know, usually there's a few that that'll be in the middle, but it's usually your barbelled outcomes that anybody would yeah. agree on. I'm seeing Aaron Rodgers with about 7% of throwaways. What's the entire range of that? If I go down to other quarterbacks, anybody higher? Yeah, than that? Aaron Rodgers is an interesting um, quarterback when it comes to throwaways. So where, where are the Packers here? So uh, they're in the, the uh, here are Packers. Yeah. Yeah. Pe yeah. Packers, 7%, Kirk Cousins, um, 7%. Um, yeah, that, that's that's the largest. I mean, Jets also like Joe, Joe Flacco. I mean, this is mm -hmm. this is after week four. So, yeah, this is basically three games of Joe Flacco and one game of Zach Wilson. So, yeah, consider that to be basically Joe Flacco here. Um, yeah, so seven seven percent is like the the highest rates um, of throwaways, and and Rogers historically um, always had a high number of um, of throwaways. So, so I mean, the, obviously, there's a lot of talk in, in in Green Bay about Rogers not really trusting his receivers um stuff like this and this has been the case for like a few years now 
um, especially now that the Ronda Adams is gone. So yeah, it's it's interesting that maybe maybe that that's a factor there. Um, obviously, he also just doesn't want to get sacked, I guess. But yeah, it's it's an interesting fact about Aaron Rodgers that he's really high in throw rate, throwaway rate um, I, I, across his career, at least his his later career, I would say. Um, which which brings me to a point here. Um, but one of the reasons I'm, I'm looking at that, and in, instead of looking at like the play result, I mean, of course, looking at the play result, like how many yards did play game is also uh, necessary and interesting. But one reason why this is actually interesting is all of this is fairly stable for quarterbacks. So, like, this is not like for, from year to year, it's 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 fairly stable. Like, like Brady will always be at the top here. Like, maybe he's only top five at some point, but. But Brady will usually always be at the top when it comes to how often does he target the play. He just he just wants to get rid of the ball and he wants to he wants to execute the play and he wants to give a receiver a chance to make a play. That's that's like how Brady always has played for for twenty years now, and he will probably kind of always play like that for how, however he will uh, yeah okay. however he will how long he will play in this league. This is this is a question I have that directly relates to that. So have you looked at this versus time to throw uh, numbers that AWS and other people provide uh, that might tell you that the quarterbacks who have um, uh, take longer to, th- to get rid of the ball tend to have lower target percentages or maybe you'd have to define it even somehow differently, but, but it seems yeah, to me that would be a natural consequence. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a good question. And, and that's, that's true. So, so quarterbacks who tend to hold, like uh, how long a quarterback holds the ball is also a thing which is usually fairly stable for quarterbacks. So it's, yeah, it's just like a conscious decision. Like other than, yeah, other than completing a pass, like completing a pass is something which of course depends on how well, yeah, how, how well did you throw it? Did your receiver catch it? That's, but, but yeah, whether, whether you throw it away or whether you take off for a scramble or whether you try to target someone is kind of a, kind of a conscious decision by the quarterback. And that's why it's fairly stable year over year. And the same is true for holding the ball, and it's it's in, in fact true that that players um, with high sack rates, high scramble rates, um, are those who tend to hold the ball a little bit longer. Like obviously, the players with high scramble rates are usually the players who are pretty mobile, so they know okay, I can make something happen even when the play breaks down. So this, of course, incentivizes them to to hold the ball a little bit longer because they think okay, I can hold the ball longer. And um, yeah, then I can still make something happen by, by, by leaving the pocket or something like this. So that's definitely true. So so yeah, a player like Tom Brady who gets gets rid of the ball really fast um, will always be be at the top here in terms of how often does he does he target a does he target a receiver? All right, how about we we change this a little bit and give maybe a little bit of a scouting report on Lamar Jackson or a report on Lamar Jackson relative to the rest of the league and what you would how you would interpret his results. Yeah, so 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 Lamar is um yeah, he's right here. So he's a little bit um below average in terms of targeting a receiver which is I think like not not a bad thing for him. Like obviously he doesn't uh, I don't think like the Ravens obviously they don't have the, the best receiving room overall, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. um, and then obviously he's, he scrambles a lot, so um, which makes a lot of sense for him. I guess I think he has, I mean, yeah, obviously there, yeah, there's Justin Fields, there's Daniel Jones, and then Jalen Hurts who scramble even at even higher rates, but obviously Lamar, Lamar Jackson still scrambles a lot. But this number has actually 
gone down. So in 2018, like his his first starts in 2018, like he 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 yeah he was closer to, to these numbers here, like like 15, 20 percent. So so he's definitely trying to to play in structure much more now than than he did as as a young player, which um, yeah, which just I think shows some kind of development, which is always good. But and of course, um, like in in generally generally. Um, like the target, like targeting receivers, like the most valuable play. Um, but not for but Lamar. Of course for, <laughs> but yeah, but of course for, for a player like Lamar, a scramble is also really, really valuable. Like, which is of course, which might not be the case like for, yeah, for, for other quarterbacks. But yeah, of course for Lamar, like this blue, this blue part of his, of his distribution is, is like, yeah, basically just as valuable, even more valuable than, than the green part. So that's, that's, that's good for him. So about 8.1 yards per scramble this year for Lamar. And I don't know yeah, his we, number per pass, is, but it's less than that. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like if, if the quarterback passes for 8.1 yards, then that's that's pretty good. Like it's top five or something like that. Yeah. Have you guys noticed those strange looking tall boys of beer, but they're in the bottled water section of your local store? Yeah, that's because it's not beer. It's mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called liquid death. Why is it called liquid death? Well, because it'll brutally murder your thirst. Plus, the tall boy can is infinitely recyclable. They're trying to get rid of the plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of their profits of every can to help kill the plastic bottles. Plastic bottles are horrible for the environment, and aluminum is infinitely recyclable and actually makes money for the recycling facilities. Now, you want to have some fun? It's amazing how drinking water from a freezing cold can is so refreshing. Love it way more than bottles. And there's new flavors. This is a severed lime I'm drinking right now, where earlier today I woke up my morning, which is a straight mountain water, spring water. Whether you want sparkling or regular, they got you covered. So now it's only 9 a.m. here in my office, and I'm about to do a presentation with about 50 people. So here's what I'm going to I'm going to take this liquid death. I'm going to walk out on stage with it, make my presentation, and see how many coworkers think that I'm drinking a beer while making a morning presentation. Now, go on over to get Liquid Death at your local Harris Teeter or 7-Eleven or find Liquid Death at a retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com forward slash film study. Remember, that's liquiddeath.com forward slash film study. All right. So now one other thing that I've looked at occasionally is, is to combine the sacks and the scrambles and a player like Lamar Jackson. There's another kind of a, a, a much more gradual uh, black to white with a lot of gray conversion of those, uh, meaning there are a lot of the sacks he takes are really short negative run plays where he's decided to turn a pass into a run and, and some still gets trapped a yard or two behind the line of scrimmage. We see that in terms of lower uh, sack yardage values for Lamar. Rarely caught 20 yards behind the line of scrimmage. Or 20 is yeah. too far, but 10. Rarely caught 10. And and it's he's actually got a net positive when you combine those two, the scrambles and the sacks, of about three point right. eight yards per play. Yeah, that's like yeah, I think like if if you have a high scramble rate like Lamar does, like what you don't want to have is that your sack rate also goes up, right? And like they, this is like right now, this is kind of happening. Um, so this is something which is happening for Russell Wilson, and w- which also happened for Russell Wilson in, in in Seattle, I think, for example. Like, like, um, yeah, his sack rate is higher than his than his scramble rate, which is not what you want from a mobile quarterback, 
or like obviously this is what what's happening with Justin Fields, right? Like he has this huge scramble rate, but it also comes with a huge sack rate, and then yeah, this is not really valuable. But for Lamar, he, yeah, he has this huge scramble rate, but he does it without taking a lot of sacks. Like five percent is like fewer sacks than the league average. So yeah. that's yeah, that's that's really good, really valuable. He's he's taking shorter sacks too. Is the other point? And and by the way, if you yeah. look back at NFL history, and I'm sure Timo knows this, but I'm really just talking to the, the listeners out there. The mobile quarterbacks have traditionally had the highest sack rates. And if you yeah. go back to Randall Cunningham, I think it's one of his first years, 85, 86, 84, somewhere in there, he was sacked over 25% of dropbacks. It's still incredible to me that that could happen in in, uh, in actual NFL play. But yeah. <laughs> we see Justin Fields at 15% this year. Right. Yeah, this is like, um, I don't know, this is uh, like a little bit, like it's not really intuitive for when you first hear about it, that mobile quarterbacks have the highest sack rates because like, like when, a, when a washer comes at Tom Brady or when a washer comes at Lamar Jackson, like Lamar Jackson is much, much more likely to evade the rusher mm-hmm. and, and Tom Brady will probably not evade the rusher. Like, but yeah, but like a player like Tom Brady who can't evade the rusher will make sure that, um, yeah, the rusher cannot even get to him because he gets rid of the ball before. That's right. Yeah. That's why mobile quarterbacks who, who trust their feet rightfully so often um yeah or have, have higher sack rates so i i'm i'm looking across at the lamar numbers and i know this the ravens fans will have a big interest in this we see the targets are basically at the league average one point below which is you know on a on a number that large is is yeah. fine scramble like the white- sample is not the sample is not huge at this at this point like obviously one percent is like it's like one like one more target instead of one instead of like if you would take one throw away and would make it a target you would already be it. 82 percent here all right all right and then the 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 nine percent scramble rate we've already been over before substantially higher than league average and that's that's actually the best group in terms of productivity on this entire chart on this entire line is those nine percent scrambles are better than the passes and they're obviously better than the sacks the throwaways or the what's is the interceptions the last category what's the last category yeah the last category is just something um um, batted pass, which, which which happens in our yeah, it's basically a batted pass or like like we we don't chart uh, like target is really when we we chart a target receiver and we chart a pass death. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, and for for batted passes we we can't chart pass death because like we don't know how far the ball would have um, would have been passed if it wasn't batted, and we we also don't really have a, a target receiver. So. Yeah, that, that's that's why I made this uh, another category. And broken incompletion is basically, yeah, it's, it's just like, I don't know, like imagine a quarterback is under pressure, tries to throw it, but the ball slips out of his hands. It's ruled a forward pass, but it wasn't really a targeted pass, but it's it's a forward pass, it's an incompletion. And yeah, that's like, just like the, the last category. Like it's something that offenses don't want to have, I guess. Sure. But like, it, yeah, it, it happens like, yeah, 3% of the time, league average. I- I was trying to decide if it was the worst category on here or not relative to the sacks. The sacks might be worse, but yeah, uh, yeah. Lamar Jackson so the, the, just threw an interception right off the helmet of a player this last week that I'm guessing would be in the the far category to the right. Yeah, but then it, yeah. So yeah, yeah. So the, the the category to the right, like, are mostly incompletions. Um, like that, they, they, they mostly fall just fall incomplete. Um, very, very rarely are they, yeah, are they interceptions. But like, I think on average, the sacks are a little bit worse. Like the sacks obviously always um, generate negative yardage, yardage, and those, those, yeah, those wet parts here yeah, are mostly just they mostly just falling complete. 
let's let's com- let's do a comparison here of Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow. Obviously, a divisional rival, and and uh, you know these guys will be playing against each other for a long time. It looks like, at least we hope yeah. so. If Lamar can get signed, right? Uh, but uh, you know, you see, I, we see a much higher sack rate there for Burrow at nine percent. Uh, right. Even with all the changes, they're still having a lot of trouble protecting him. Yeah, it seems like like th- this was like the so th- there are two things in in play here. Um, like w- w- when when I thought about Burrow last year, and and to segue, it was like on the on the one hand, obviously the offensive line for, of the Bengals was just not good last year, um, and obviously it's, it, it was his first year starting, and generally quarterbacks get like not traumatically uh, better, but a little bit better over time. Like young, mm-hmm. young quarterbacks, um, young, I mean, in, in terms of avoiding sacks. So um, young quarterbacks um, usually take a little bit more sacks than, than veterans on average. So, so basically you, you would expect Burrow to get a little bit better in this regard. And obviously they also upgraded the offensive line a little bit, at least on paper. And um, so, yeah, I, I kind of expected him not to take as many sacks anymore and obviously yeah and then obviously the first two games like he took sack after sack after sack so yeah but it was crazy to see um like it like burrow didn't take as many sacks in the last two games so i think that the miami game he took only one sack i think he took two two sacks in the jazz game week three so yeah yeah we'll see how this how this evolves but yeah right now he's still taking a lot of sacks um yeah, which which is interesting because obviously he has like three really good receivers. Um, yeah, and but yeah, right now it's not really not really clicking for them, so he can't really get get rid of the ball quickly. Um, yeah, and and I think one thing which which is um, which is interesting for Burrow. So let me let me go to another chart. So this is like this is all plays, but I I have done the same thing. For for pressure for um, so basically the same chart, but I'm only looking at plays where the quarterback is under pressure, and this is um, really where where Burrow is taking like yeah where he's wow. still at the bottom of the league at, at taking sacks. Like the average is of course the league average is much higher, eighty percent of uh, all pressured plays turn into sacks this year. Um, yeah, but but Burrow is way way above. So once pressure arrives. He, yeah, he doesn't really find the, the the solutions to to still get rid of the ball. Obviously, he's not as mobile as Lamar Jackson, so he maybe cannot cannot escape as as well. But yeah, he's not not really finding the 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 solutions to to still get rid of the ball. So yeah, I mean, I think that's the that's the key factor is he only gets the ball off about eighty percent as much as an average NFL quarterback. Forty eight out of fifty nine. I'm using forty eight out of sixty is eighty percent. Um, yeah, yeah. If that's pressure. a big reduction. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's so. Yeah, that's that's, that's yeah. That's it's that's probably one of the biggest issues of the of the Bengals passing offense right now that they can't really figure this out. Whether this is just like Burrow's fault, of course the offensive line is also a little bit fault, and the the scheme. Then, yeah, like you, yeah, you cannot really cannot really like perfectly disentangle whose fault this is, but it's definitely an issue for them. Let me go a little bit of a sidebar here because this is something that I preach about a little bit when I talk about defense is that defense requires variation of play result in order to make defensive stops. And if you think about it, the extreme example, if the offense got an an average gain on every single play, they'd march right down the field and they'd score a touchdown every single offensive drive. 
But what they need is they need some combination of penalties, sacks, turnovers, et cetera, to stop the opponent. What this is telling me that the Bengals offense is probably significantly less efficient with their high sack rates, despite having very good receivers, because of that that risk of having drive stalling sacks uh, uh, come up. But you really see it in this kind of graph. Yeah, yeah. That's like, I mean, sacks can be a huge reason why, why, like, when you when you look when you like when you watch a game like a Bengals game and you think, okay, I mean, this this offense has has a huge potential. Like they are they are making this this throws down the sideline to Jamal Chase to T Higgins. And it looks really good, right? And really explosive. But then all of a sudden, yeah, they, they are taking sacks and then a second and 16, uh, yeah, stuff like this. And then, of course, like it, it gets like, yeah, it gets complicated. Like you, you cannot, it's, it's very hard to overcome, um, to overcome sacks on a, um, on a drive. So, yeah, that's, that's definitely true. This is like, like one reason why, um, yeah, where, where the Bengals offense, and this is the same thing we saw last year. So, so they were like when you just looked at like yards per attempt. Um, I think Burrow had the highest yards per attempt before quarterbacks last year. So like just in terms of how many how many yards did they did they move the ball when they dropped back to pass? They were one of the best um, passing offices in the league. But but when you looked at um, how often do the Bengals um, get a new first down? Um, they were actually so basically they they are for first and ten. Sure. And of course the goal is to get to another first and ten. Right, whether that happens on first, second, I understand. Third down. Deep, it's offensive efficiency. My fans will know this. Right. Who listen right. to the show? Moving, yeah, moving the stakes. And in in terms of how often do they move the stakes, they were actually league average. And and this is hmm. this is basically um, the reason that they're they're yeah. So when they move the ball, it, it looks really good, and they're moving it in explosive ways, right? A big place. Um, but yeah, often they can't move it because they they took too too, too many sacks. And then it's hard to to move, to to get explosive plays if you're like in the second and fifteen. The defense it's, it's much easier for the defense to defend the deep ball compared to um, favorable down the distance for the offense. Yeah. All right. Barbelled results there for the for the Bengals. Okay. Well, something to look forward to. Definitely something that says the Ravens are going to need to get pressure on Joe Burrow this Sunday yeah, to win. Yeah, definitely. That's that's what they have to do on Sunday. Uh, anything else to show us here that relates to the multiple charts you brought? Um, you had pressure. You had what are the other charts you had besides pressure and all plays? So yeah, I, so there's there's also like basically a little bit um, uh, related to pressure, but of course not the same as against the blitz, mm-hmm. um, which is of course yeah, which, which doesn't always um, result in um, in a pressure, but it definitely forces the quarterback to make a quicker decision. And like, yeah, I mean, it's not really related to the Ravens, but like, this is this is really interesting. How like how far away from the league? Like, I mean, the range, like when it comes with like when the opponent blitzes, um, yeah, the best teams are getting rid of the ball like ninety four percent of the time, and then it ranges to like seventy percent. Yeah, and then suddenly there's a twenty percent gap to to um, the Giants and Bears, Daniel Jones and, and Justin Fields. So like, just by blitzing them, you can basically make sure that they are not getting off. Uh, they are, they're not getting a targeted pass off like half of the time, right. which is like which is crazy. Like yeah, that's that's not how you. I don't know. I don't. I don't think you can build an efficient offense like this. 
can we look at Lamar under the blitz here? Because I think he's been better this year, and I'm also noticing that Burrow yeah, it doesn't, yeah, doesn't really it look looks, that bad. Yeah, yeah, it really does. Like two percent sack rate only. Like that's that's not much. Um, not a high throwaway rate. Yeah, I think that's, scramble that's pretty, rate. Yeah, like yeah, if if you add scrambles plus targets, like that, ninety four percent. Like that's basically like the Packers. Chiefs are at 96 if you add both, of course. That's mm -hmm. a very good offense. Chargers are very good here. But yeah, it's basically only the Chargers and the Chiefs have a higher, higher, let's say, positive play rate in the sense of either getting a target off or, or scrambling for positive yardage. So that, that's really good. All right. Outstanding stuff, Timo. It's so cool the way you guys always are breaking down, uh, you know, a, a, an old idea maybe in a new way. And, and you know, obviously the ability to do this has been around for a long time. People that had even even not using that far right column or even not using throwaways, they could have broken it down in different ways. But the way you've done it here is yeah. it's very, very um, conducive to insight about the topic. Uh, any other projects you're working on you want to tell us about? We're always excited to hear the next thing from you guys. But uh, but uh, anything else you want to talk about? Um, yeah, so I mean, if if you um, if anyone is interested in my in my work, I um, I like just this week I I published an article about um, offensive line evaluation where basically like obviously we um, so I think yeah PFF is basically best known for for its grading I guess like that's the mm -hmm. one thing everyone everyone uh, associates PFF with like we grade players and plays. Um, and obviously, we also grade offensive linemen, defensive linemen, um, and I looked, I looked at pass rushing and pass blocking specifically, so passing game. Um, yeah, and, and what what I did is I um, I tried to like adjust the grades for assignment because like the grades basically, I mean, this, like because it has to work like this, like like when when a pass blocker gets beat, that's a negative grade, right? Mm -hmm. But the like the, the 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 person who gives this grade, like he can't decide whether this was a good or a bad pass rusher right like that's because it's completely subjective at the, gotcha. the moment he watches the film so he just says say okay this he got beat that's a negative grade right he, he can't he can't yeah he can't uh, care for whether this was aaron donald or some um backup pass rusher like he just mm -hmm. says okay he got beat that's a negative grade but of course the, the yeah of course it's 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 a difference whether whether uh an offensive guard got beat by Aaron Donald or by a backup pass rusher. Like like a lot of a lot of guards get beat by Aaron Donald, but against the backup pass rusher, you should have a higher weight of of not losing your not losing I, your pass block. I I cannot tell you how many different conversations, but it's it's at least three that I've had with Neil Hornsby <laughs> about exactly that topic. But the last time he was on the show, he, he he talked a little bit about it in terms of you know it's just too complicated for us to figure out the adjustment necessary to grade for individual offensive linemen based on the defensive line quality that they're facing or the pass rush quality they're facing. Yeah. But, uh, you guys, so is this, do you think so this the, will be something that goes to the grading? Um, I hope so eventually. Um, yeah, eventually it, like it, this would be the ideal thing that eventually this, this could go into the, the public facing grading. But yeah, right now what I did, like I, I adjusted for it, and like the the advantage is like like since 2017, so it's like five seasons of data now. Um, we we actually charting um, exactly who is blocking whom, and we are on, and this of course also means that we are charting whether it's a double team or whether mm -hmm. whether there was help. So we know whether a guard. 
blocked Aaron Donald one versus one, or whether a guard or in the center took him on a double team. And of course, that's also a difference, right? Like if Aaron Donald beats a double team, that's much more impressive than if he, if he beats one single guard. But that's and, already included in the grading, right? I mean, he's more likely to get a plus 1.5 on the on the base level scoring if he beats a double than he is if he beats a single, right? Yeah, the the, mag, the magnitude of, of the positive grade is, is already included, but the weight of getting a positive grade is, of course, not necessarily so 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 basically like there are basically two things on the on the one hand there's just like did you get a positive grade or not positive grade just means like you beat the guy in front of you or the guys in front of you and then there's a magnitude so is it a is it a plus 0.5 is it a plus one is it a plus one five and this basically depends on okay how fast did he beat him Mm -hmm. um did he finish it like Maybe did he also get to a quarterback, or yeah, or or was it a double team, which is of course more impressive. But but of course, like against I don't know, um, against a single team, you will usually get a positive grade, and on on average, you know, like thirteen, fourteen percent of the time, like an average pass rusher. But of course, against a double team, that's only eight or seven percent. Um, so you, you normalize that if if yeah, if basically what, what I did is I, I normalized for all these things. Um, for for how good is the yeah how good are the players that face each other um did they receive help and th- then some other stuff like like down the distance because obviously on third down a pass rusher can just pin pin beers back and, and rush mm-hmm. the passer and on, on first down he usually has a run fit so yeah pass pass rushing is easier on, on third down or, or yeah on long distance compared yeah basically yeah the rule of thumb is third down and longer distances means pass rushers will Will get better grades because yeah, their, their job is only rushing the person. They, they don't have any one fits. Um, right. Yeah. So basically, I normalized for all, all this stuff and um, yeah, then just uh, weighted pass rushers and pass blockers. Um, so you can see graphs in this article where yeah, who's who's the best and stuff like this. And um, yeah, actually, I'm planning to do the same for run blocking um, because we basically chart the same for run blocking. Um, yeah, so I wanted to do similar stuff for run blocking, and then yeah, maybe within the next two weeks, uh, I, I might publish another article on run blocking. Uh, and of course, like yeah, in, in the future, um, yeah, the, the goal is definitely to to have this to have this public facing. So yeah, we, we have this data, and um, yeah, it would be great if, if our consumers um, could use it. And um, all right. Outstanding. Timo, fantastic to, to get a chance to talk football with you today. I'm glad we could finally make this work. And I, I'll look forward to, to talking football with you in the future if you'd, if you'd come join us again, particularly with this very interesting sounding new work on the offensive and defensive line. Uh, I think would just be terrific. Uh, tell folks one more time, you're at, at PFF underscore MOO. We might That's call right, it Moo. Yeah. Somebody else might call it Mo. But uh, <laughs> really uh, uh, appreciate you coming on. Uh, anything else you want to plug while you're here? Um, I don't think so. I'm okay. good. I enjoyed the talk. All right. Outstanding. Thanks for Definitely. coming on. And we'll talk to you next time on film study. This is the story of the one. 
As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.